Welcome to Phone Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. In the studio today with me is Dion. Dion, how are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming in. And look, the reason I got you in is to talk about Sip and Shoot, which is a something, can you just tell us like the origins of it, how it started and yeah. where the idea come from? Well, I always describe it as one of those shower thoughts, as they say. You know, you're kind of just distracted and doing something else and thinking about, you know, why things do and don't exist and stuff like that. Less on the nihilistic side and more on the creative side. Yeah, I was like, just, and I was thinking, you know, about the sip and paint and why don't we have anything like that for photography? And yeah, it just kind of, kind of went from there. And I was like, you know, what sip and paint environment's more classy, but, you know, photographers a bit more high, uh, high octane. So I'm like, you know, that's why the logo is a camera with a beer in it as opposed to white wine. And yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, when I first saw it, like it just clicked with me. Like it was just, I thought to myself, that is such a great idea. Um, why hasn't, why haven't I seen this before? <laughs> yeah. And that's always the thing. I said the same thing and I was like, but it's also the other flip of that, right? It's like, it, why hasn't anyone done it? What, has it just not worked? You know, and I've seen other things online. There are other people in, um, in the States and um, Europe have like done, done, tried to do things similar, but it just, it just never worked out. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just give it a shot. It's not going to cost much if it doesn't go well, and yeah. Well, it's one of those things. If you don't, if you don't try it, you just don't know, and that's the thing. Yeah, you, you really have to actually fly it up a flagpole and just give it a shot. Yeah. So you kicked off, uh, I suppose, with the the launch party, which was mm. kind of to introduce people to the concept. Yeah. Yeah, and then since then, how many events have you hosted since the launch party? Yeah, so we have done three. Like, yeah, there's the difference. There's the events like the launch party and there's the workshop networking events. Yep. But in total, we've done three. We have uh, four and five coming up. Yeah. Uh, one more workshop and another event. And yeah. Yeah. No, fantastic. And fantastic. And like I said, and, and the, I suppose the popularity has grown over time as people have learned about it. And so take us through a kind of, I suppose, a, the, the, what, when the photographer walks in there, what, what are they going to be presented with? What type of things are going to be there? So the, we also encourage a lot of models to come along as well. So outside of the professional models that do come out in different intervals, these models will come along to try to get experience or they're like, you know, connect with, to get into the industry. And so, you know, it's, it's meant to be adaptable for both the photographer's needs, you know, the kind of shots that the models might want, you know, things that they can add to their portfolio or, you know, go through the tag list. And yeah, so, um, you know, overall, it's really just... Um, creating variety and creating a more to the portfolio and uh, adding to, you know, their reputation on Instagram and Facebook and wherever they need to be. And yeah. Yep. And, and getting some, obviously you said, getting some content for, for their portfolios and that type of stuff. Yeah. And like you said, the opportunity, I suppose, just to see how the professional models work mm. and take cues from that, watch how they work in front yeah. of the camera, yeah. which is invaluable. I think you can learn so much about anything. Like it's just like photography yourself. If you assist a good photographer, mm. you'll learn a lot from just assisting. Yeah. Seeing how that person works, seeing how, you know, what they do and, and yeah. Yeah. And seeing the results. So that's a great thing. Yeah. Well, we tried to, when it, well, when it started, it was more focused on less of trying to sort of direct people and angle them towards certain things. It's more like, you know, when you do the sip and paint, all they have is a subject and they have alcohol. Yes. And that's all we're doing. Yep. We have subject, we have an alcohol. The difference is they do it in a smaller, nicer venue and we just have it in a warehouse. Yes. And so, you know, that's why we have like, we have the set set up 
you know, we won't adjust the sets, but we might adjust the lighting. Yes. And that, that adapts to, you know, what the photographers want or like models might be trying to like, they want something more flattering if they have like, you know, say a model might have more prominent cheekbones. So you like, you adjust the lighting there and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, so, and one of the things I noticed too, like you guys, when people come in like at registration point of view, you actually identify the photographers get a little badge to say, just so, so the, so the models can actually then know who's photographing yeah as well which i think is a really cool thing to do because that way i mean i've been to to i think every one that you've done so, yes, so far yeah and i think the, the the last one we had you know quite a lot of models coming up asking saying can you get some shots for me please mm. which yeah. is good for that. and that's kind of like you would i suppose where you, some of the intention was to go yeah well that's that's to incentivize like i said the going going off freely because then we don't have the direct people. You yes. Know, they, they want to get shots and they want to work with the light and the photographer. And yeah. Yeah. And I think what's good about it is because during that, this period there where you can, it's kind of a, a just, I suppose you just free form. You can just do, do whatever, move bits around. And like you were saying about the photographer with like having the, you know, little badge or something on, we're looking at trying to get something that for staff as well. So that if somebody, a photographer wants to move the light around, then they can signal the staff to, yes. to like say, hey, can you just, can we have this going or do you have any ideas or whatever? Um, and all the staff fully trained up as well. So yeah, it's yep. it's pretty, pretty meant to be pretty cruisy there. Cool. So mm. this that probably brings us good to a good segue, talking mm. about the, the staff and the people that have involved in it. What what are some of the backgrounds that are, of the people involved yeah, um, so creative directors, we have Angel, Chris, and Louie. Angel has, she, so she's recently just graduated from high school, but she did, um, worked on a fashion magazine. Yeah, so she's studying something in fashion at, I just know they're directly linked to Vogue, so that's where she is. She's like, okay. she's got, she's aiming high. Um, so oh, you gotta, you gotta aim high. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> glad to have her there, because, you know, having someone who, like, wants to be a part of this, but also wants to get to Vogue, and how can that she get to Vogue? while being part of Sip and Shoot works for me. But yeah, so we've got Chris and Louie, they've worked together on a streetwear brand of their own. For, yes. um, yeah, and then we got the set assistants. Yep. And yeah, they're kind of a wide variety of just people that want to get involved and, you know, they get to kind of model or shoot themselves if they'd like. And yeah. I suppose a, a good blend of creative people there. Yeah. Who, who all kind of want to pitch in and... Yeah, create just, something a bit special. Just be a part of it for themselves yeah. as well. Yeah. And I think that, look, one of the great things about creative sometimes can be a quite a lonely process if you're mm. shooting stuff and whatever. And I think collaborating and getting with other creatives is just such a good thing for the soul, like as far as immersing yourself in around other people and, and just bouncing ideas and seeing what people do and that type of stuff. And sometimes that'll just give you that kind of an idea yeah i think sometimes you got to force it as well not fully but like sometimes i notice at events that people sort of dawdle to the side yes and so a lot of what i try to do once the event actually kicks off is i'd be like i'll sit like i know we had one we had one photographer and a model who were just like i said they were dawdling off to the side and i just kind of went to the photographer i'm like hey joe i'll introduce you to this person you know she's looking for someone to shoot her but everyone else is busy Yep. Would you be interested? And that was that was Sarah uh, Fagan. Yeah, and that ended up working off from there. And then you know she ended up meeting three or four other photographers. And yeah, so it's just you know that kind of like light push yes. in the right direction as well. And yeah, it is great for the soul, but sometimes people don't have that that want to do it, or they're like just sort of anxious or don't know how to connect. I think look, one of the most territories around creatives is a bit of anxiety 
Mm. Bit of the fear of yeah. Well, creatives are the most insecure people in yeah. the world. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like sometimes yes, you do need to gently guide people and push, or like you said, give them a little bit of a push. Mm. And usually, like people once say, I mean, look, a lot of creatives have so much more talent than they think themselves. Other people can see it, but they can't see it. It's a, it's a very common, I suppose, yeah. phenomena. So it's good having a place like that where you can recognise those people and actually just be there to help them as well. Like that's mm. a that's a really cool aspect as well. Yeah, well, that's the whole, you know, we're workshopping and networking. So it's it's everything of just like making sure that actually stays on track. Yes. Light pushing but not directing. Yep. That's pretty much the whole, the whole process there. Yep. Mm. And at the moment, you know, you've started doing them at VentSpace, which is kind of a creative working co-working environment for yeah. for um which is which is kind of a unique type of place as well there are a lot of the people that i spoke to before because originally i was planning this back in july last year so this it was like at least it took about seven months before it took off and i was talking to a lot of people at vent space about how would i get this going you know these are the plans um and yeah the vent, vent space itself was pretty well integral integral yes. for Symmetry to actually take off. Yes. Because, you know, they helped add things that made it viable. Yes. And yeah. And that's probably a part of the, the reason, I suppose, that you've actually got this far that you had the, you kind of started with a good structure mm. to get to get the ball rolling, so to speak. And I think, like you said, sometimes people try stuff and they do it and that doesn't work for whatever reason or they don't get the response and then mm. they kind of walk away from it real quickly. And I think the thing of all these types of things, they do take time to develop. Yeah. So you have to kind of be commit for the long term where you're going to say, yeah, we're going to give this a good shot, see if we can make it work. Yeah. And then the other thing too is I think it's always important to be adaptive along the way that sometimes what you first think may not be what everyone else is thinking. Yeah. So you tweak it. So it's a, it's a format where you've got a fair amount of latitude to tweak stuff. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, that I mean, not even just me as well. Like I've seen a lot of people, a lot of photographers will shoot and they'll be like, go to another photographer and be like, hey, what do you think of this? This is what I did. Or they like share just kind of, you know, they see people be like, oh, how'd you do that? You know, how'd you get that that kind of shot? So they, then they engage there, which I think works better than a lot of the times when photographers meet because a lot of photographers, they typically, you know, they'll meet one-on-one -on -one and then they're like, they'll see like one lighting setup and they'll just kind of grind that lighting setup or the, you know, the way they've shot or, you know, say shutter speed, aperture, those kinds of different settings adjusted. When they're meeting multiple different people, they have the ability to jump between different things and then pick and choose what works for them. So then, you know, it I don't know, they help create their style a bit more a bit more accurately for who they are as artists. And um yeah. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, that immersing with other creatives um, mm. helps you kind of, I suppose, build your own style as well because you'll pick and choose with the bits and pieces, like you said, you like, that you mm. see. And then there'll be some things that will really resonate with your style of work and then you can kind of refine that. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the whole focus of it is, you know, we want to, like I said, we want to give people opportunity to create for themselves. Hopefully by the end of it, even if they only just come for one session, they're better photographers just for it. And look, I know look, talking to a number of the photographers, some of them, sometimes there's a few people there, it was the first time they ever shot people. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is cool because that's a really, it's a really daunting 
exercise for a lot of photographers. A lot of photographers start off with the Even easy. Even just the contract. Yeah. <laughs> well, they start off with the easy stuff like shooting landscape because, you know, you never have a landscape come up to you and go, that's a crap picture you took of me. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's kind of like, so it's kind of easy. And, and the other thing too, I think people stay away from lighting. Um, mm. They kind of go, oh, yeah, I'm a natural light photographer because lighting scares them a bit. So, yeah. and I think it, so it gives them opportunity to see that lighting doesn't have to be that that scary yeah and i think as well if when we have like that one or two lights where it's just the strobe lights strobe setups we them being around people that are completely blowing it as well yep helps them be like okay well i'm clearly not the only one and probably never will be the only one who's like shooting a strobe and be like why is this way too overexposed yep you know and the worst thing as well is sometimes with the way the triggers respond to the lights they just completely change the settings and people don't know that. So you're kind of just like sitting there like, okay, well, you've seen there multiple people getting the same problem. Yep. And they're like, okay, well, clearly that's not a me problem. That's a sip and shoot problem. Yep. You know, find Dion or find one of the interns. And, well, some, some people yeah. struggle with the whole the whole sync speed. Mm. You know, that's the thing that some cameras, um, you, you got limitations of sync speeds and stuff like that. So Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I know the initial we had at the launch was another triggers were set to um, manual mode. Yep. No, none of the triggers were set to manual mode, sorry. Meant that like every time, the well, during the show part anyway, every time the photographers rotated, they had a different trigger and it just like completely either turned off one light or it like it, it like started flicking um, the settings around. Yep. So they were like shooting. Some, I remember there was one photographer who like she was just basically only shooting from the beauty dish. Yep, and it was just way too overexposed. It was just like a wall of light on the one side. Yep, it was it was something else, but it was good. It was just part of the show. It was meant to show how it all works. So the photography, photographers, the photos weren't necessary themselves, but yes, yeah. yep. Well, it's it's like I said, it's that learning curve of just seeing how things work. And like I said, that's mm. I mean, look as a as a photographer, quite often you do a lot of problem solving when you're on a shoot. That's a part of. Yeah, comes with the territory. You know, when you're having something not working, you work out why it's not working. How do you fix yeah. it? Yeah, well, that's I think any photographer will tell you that no matter how much money you spend on equipment, it's not going to make it perfect. It just makes it slightly easier to get over the problem. Yes. and that's about it. I always talk about I suppose the current crop of mirrorless cameras with such good eye tracking, mm. and you know, some people think it's kind of, you know, kind of cheating to a degree that you know now you've got this technology that basically can find the eye and just track the model's eye really really well so you're, you're always getting these nailing these shots but what i say to it just means and then now you can then concentrate on other parts of the photo yeah because i mean mm. typically if you're shooting people you don't want a blurry face yeah right so you're trying to unless unless it's something where you've got intended camera movement or some other type of you know, creative type of shot going on. But for a lot of shots, like it's always going to be about the face and it's always going to be about the eye, typically, mm. the eye closest to the camera. Yeah. And I just always say to people, look, back in the day, we struggled, you know, I've shot runway stuff and, and it's like a it's like a rotisserie, like the models just keep coming at you. Yeah. And typically you've got a, you've got one pool of light to shoot in. Yeah. And, you know, when I was shooting, you know, DSLRs, you're trying to, nail the focus and what you'd do you'd, you'd screw every third shot yeah you'd miss focus yeah and now like with the current mirrorless stuff like you pretty much can get the focus on every shot yeah yeah the model might be looking slightly off or whatever but you you keep a rate goes up yeah so i always say to people that that's where good use but then now you can use your time to mm. do other things yeah but that's what i was gonna, I was gonna say the time using the other things like sometimes it's not even just the actual shooting it's the experience and like 
how you're using your time and the space, you know, having something that is just autofocus in general makes it so that you're not spent shooting 300 shots on one set. You might only shoot like 30 to 50 or, you know, even just 10, 20, you know, yeah. counting the photographer because I've seen some photographers sort of line, still even with the digital sort of just line them up. I'm a bit more rapid. I like to like bang, 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 go. Yep. And, you know, um, and if you're constantly adjusting focus, you find that you're going to be shooting more to make sure you didn't miss everything. Yes. Yeah, having a bit more confidence in your equipment makes it possible. I do agree at some times you do have to detract from those sort of comforts i guess um sound like a bit of a stoic here but um it, it it's very much possible just from like using those comforts and going into something else that's more uncomfortable so like i've recently bought a cheaper z to f converter my nikon z5 yes yep and it doesn't have any autofocus on it but it's going to make it create so much more amazing shots on the fact alone that like i'm gonna have to like you know come away from these comforts yeah you're gonna work for the shot yeah pretty much yeah and that that helps because it also means that i'm also creating something that's gonna look so much more amazing yes if i had to try and do the same thing from a camera that didn't have the same level of autofocus yep even though obviously it's manual it won't have autofocus but it just hopefully i've explained that right it just you know it's helps create new things yes and i think that's the thing and i've talked about on the podcast before about you know people need to challenge themselves and sometimes that's what you're doing you're actually challenging you're seeing yourself a challenge basically yeah by you know lifting that bar and now you've got to really deliver mm. so there's a bit of bit of pressure and sometimes that's what people need i mean that's how a coach gets the best results out of out of somebody by yeah constantly the bar low that person's going to achieve that and then that mm. that's going to be it but you're going to kind of keep lifting the bar so they're just kind of just about touching yeah. it but they're not yeah. there <laughs> yeah i feel it yeah the, the the thing to reach but i think as well people say the same thing said the same thing about with like going from darkroom to photoshop it's like when you think about how easy it is to do dodging and burning now versus trying to do dodging and burning in a dark room i couldn't i could not understand it at all yep. so there's some things where it's also just the reality is like Look, this could have been so much more streamlined, but Darkroom has just intentionally made it more difficult. Yes. And yeah. And again, like I said, yeah, the, and, and that gets back to the old argument too, that people go on these days about how much level of post-production. Mm. And post-production was always there. Yeah. It always, yeah. <laughs> just people didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen people that I remember from high school, people were using the box brownies and be like, yeah, this is just authentic photography. It's like, it's a $50 film camera. It's not authentic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, using something like a Hasselblad or a Fuji film or one of the old Nikons. Um, I don't know what the old Canons are like. I've always been, I've been in a Nikon household my whole life. Yes. And yeah, you know, some, things like that. It's like, those are more perfect cameras yes. than an old box brownie. Yeah. And I think look, and there is a bit of a kind of resurgence where people are going back and looking at, seeking out some of the older gear as well. Mm. And again, it's about that, challenge themselves take them out of the comfort zone like you said yeah you know you can get in that and i think that's again it's it's kind of like a part of the the sip and shoot um idea is that for people who maybe haven't shot people yeah in the past and are, are, are worried this is a really great way to put your toe in the water and yeah you can get out of your comfort zone a bit because there's kind of like no pressure like you don't have to show anyone the shots and i think the professional models are pretty pretty well imperative to yes. that process as well yep because people underestimate how like being having a someone who doesn't know how to model 
and if you don't have any directing skills yes that can be very awkward that, shots. that can be very awkward shots and you're thinking to yourself like oh how how, how am i what am i doing wrong here yes it's like no no it's just the person staring blankly at the camera yep that's what's happening they're waiting for you but you don't want to you can't give them direction it, it is important process but i don't think as sip and shoot the directing is too important yes but being able to sort of comfortably do it with someone who knows what they're doing as well if you decide to yep they're someone who can go off on their own without you directing them it's interesting i did a i did a fashion shoot um a couple of years ago and it was for for a um clothing brand and mm. and the models i had so they had one very highly skilled model and one not so skilled model and and it was actually hard work mm. um one model was just a dream yeah <laughs> and the other one was just so much work that people underestimate how much a good yeah. model makes to the, to the i suppose helping you get over that initial fear yeah, yeah they work they that's can, what we were saying about before with like with having like a camera with autofocus yes. right you probably would not be able to to get the same quality of shots of without an autofocus with a model like that because you're also spending a crap load of time having to direct them yes yep and yeah no mm. it, it look it is and and i think like i said that's part of i suppose the the concept so for people, I suppose, who are thinking about, particularly if they're Brisbane-based, it's a good opportunity. To, if, you, if you've been thinking about shooting people, mm. this is a really good way to kind of come in and just see how it all works and, and jump in and take some shots. And, and there's really, like I said, there's no pressure there to deliver. Yeah. If you walk away from the evening of one or two shots that you're really proud of, fantastic. Mm. If you get more, that, that that's a bonus. But, yeah. but it's what you learn along the way. It's all yeah. that stuff that you pick up. And the point of it as well, I mean, the price is 50 bucks. If you wanted to book a studio out yourself for about probably the same amount of time, it's about 400. Yep. You know, some cheaper ones are out there, but they don't have lights. You know, there's 50 bucks that come in. You can't, if you're the kind of person who's confident enough to direct people, you can just come in and do that as well. And another photographer will adapt around you. Yep. Um, So it makes, it sort of just removes that a lot. And that's a lot of what our direction is, is it's trying to, create opportunity to add to those portfolio without like breaking the bank yes you know and if you don't know how to direct a model you don't know how to you know shoot with models or you know anybody really and then you want to go ahead and rent out a studio on your own very problematic experience yes you know unless you have another team with you or something but that a lot of people don't have that opportunity and and look sometimes it's even just trying to find the models having having the right type of clothes and that type of thing as mm. well and having someone create the the shoot and be able to kind of yeah. um and have you know the, have the set set up in a particular way as well um again it's like it takes a lot of time to to do that yeah and if you kind of like you said on your own you just can't yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, I remember when I jumped straight into it, I was like renting out. Oh, I did have the benefit of doing the Photo Studio Australia in- internship right. in West End, um, which is a great experience. If anybody does want to do that, that's not a promotion. They they let you use it like once a month after the three-month program or something. Um, and, you know, it's it's free of charge there for like four hours. Not everyone I know as well had the same experience there as I did. Yes, um, they kind of went in, did the one, and then left. Yes, um, or they were let go or whatever. I don't know, you know, full thing there. And yeah, but if you want to jump out of outside of something like this or sip and shoot, it's it's really difficult, especially because if you don't know what you're doing, it's people just won't do it. Yeah, and the, even just filling out the contract. Yep. You know, or you're trying to get a team. Yes. You know, because a lot of the contracts have on there like, oh, make sure you get the makeup artist to sign as well, or the stylist. 
Yes. And it's like, you know, you don't even know if you have those yet. Yes, yes. And yeah. And that's that's the kind of challenge. Mm. And look, and one of the things I noticed like at the um some of them these um other photographers will jump in and help people as well. Mm. Especially some of the more experienced ones. So the younger you know, mm. just remember seeing some younger photographers kind of struggling with trying to get things working and just having people be able to kind of yeah, pick their brain and, mm. and get an idea and, and it's always a fear too, like if you've been shooting for a little while then people kind of expect you to know a bit about photography. Yeah. But I always say, yeah, people know what they know. Yeah. <laughs> I think as well, try to go in with a very open mind because yes, like there are a lot of professional photographers that come as well. But I think any professional photographer will tell you that like they're constantly adjusting settings. Yep. And they're never fully, even if they could be doing it for 10, 20, 30 years and they'll still be like, yeah, no, I don't like this exposure. Yes. You know, so they'll adjust the settings. So, you know, the open mind helps. Yes. Of like being ready for like it, this could be something that's leading to something great. Yes, yeah, you know, and I, I don't know what your experience has been, but like when people see a shot, sometimes and people ask to share the settings, mm. and unfortunately, like those settings are unique to that environment yeah. that was shot under. Yeah, so you could take those same settings with the same model, but not be able to replicate the lighting the same. Yeah, and you're not going to get the same result. And then we cancel how much Photoshop was done as well. Well, that's the you thing. You, yeah, you don't know how much. I mean, um, I don't know how you shoot, but I tend to shoot a little bit under, um, mm. just so trying to preserve the highlights and that type of stuff. Yeah, and, you can always, and I mean, that's one of the, I suppose, the, the wonderful things about modern mm. digital photography that you can recover so much from the shadows. Yeah. It's, it's just insane sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that, that whole un, underexposed instead of overexposed doesn't apply as much anymore. Yeah. Because even a lot of the times I find with my Z5, you know, I'll shoot, but like 90% of the settings are just shot in some sort of default and um, the rest of it's like, you know, how I've adjusted my camera. And But it also, you know, that that that's not always true, but it's a lot more true than it was when I was starting with the 600D. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah, no, it look it like I said, it, it's kinda like like you said, you know, um professional photographers are always kind of, you know, changing stuff along the way and, and, and look your style changes too. There's things that you like more so you kind of go more heavily one way or the other. I mm. mean you'll see some you know, some wedding photographers, you know, um a few years back it was like everyone wants to shoot high key. Yeah. It's all these high key images and yeah. yeah and it's like so there's always always these trends and that, and then some people kind of stick with that. Other people move away from it. Yeah, type of thing. And there are some that it's 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 a weird one. I mean, like I said, I was saying about Photoshop. There are some people that they'll, they'll shoot, but then like the photo on its own is not particularly astounding. Yep. But because of whatever they've done with color coding. Yep. It just popped. Yes. You know? And sometimes that's the key thing is sometimes what you look at the picture and it'll look quite flat. Yeah. But you, but you know the elements, all the all the the elements are there. Yeah, and you just need to go and tweak some of the colors. You might pump the red mm. up a bit more. You, know, you change a few few things in in post, and yeah, and it just looks like a completely different photo. Yeah, well, I think I think that's what what kind of differentiates um, a photographer as a photographer and a photographer as an artist. More so, I think the level of Photoshop that gets used. Yeah, I mean, there are people that shoot to edit, and then there are people that just shoot to touch up. Yes, and I think the shoot to touch up is more your photographer. You know. Not to say that like anyone who's a photographer as an artist can't go on to do wedding photography and the same thing, but they tend to be like, even even there, their mindset will be more like, this is my medium to go to the next next thing, which is going to be Photoshop, and that's my next medium. Yep. You know, um, viewing everything is just a medium to getting a 
final re- final product. to get a result. Yeah, and then as the fo- photography as a touch up is more like you know people who want to use their camera and primarily just that, and when they come into Photoshop, they might die. You know, or Lightroom, I guess these days as well. I don't use Lightroom myself, but uh, I guess it's it's more like the camera is the primary focus as opposed to the piece itself. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. Everyone will come to the table with a different mindset as well mm. of what they're trying to get get out of something when yeah. when you walk into a shoot and and those aren't rigid rules that I'm saying either. It's no. very it's very hard to sort of pin anything down as art and photography and you know all that. Yeah. I always, I've always looked at photography as being a fluid discipline. Mm. Everything's in flux. Yeah, but it is very <laughs> much on its own as an art form as well. Yep. Well, I think, you know, a, a graffiti artist could easily be pinned up with a painter, but a photographer can't be pinned up with either of them. No, no. You know. Ever going debate about is photography art or, or, yeah. or what? And I think the and there's some photographers who I really see their work as art. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's other other photographers who are really kind of documenting that moment in time, mm. preserving that. So it's like yeah. how, how if you were there, how you I guess would... that's street photography as well, yes. right? Like that, even that breaks the rule of I was saying about photography is touch up. You know, they don't really touch those images. No, that's also I think the time invested into the camera and understanding the equipment and producing something that moves you, even if it is just an image as is. That's the art right there. And that is hard to achieve. Like mm. it's something, a discipline. And I do a lot of street photography mm. and I love street photography for that thing that when you can find sometimes. Uh, mm. It's a lot of patience as well. <laughs> it's a lot of patience, but you yeah. find a moment. Yeah. Um, I love capturing moments because they're so fleeting. Yeah. And it's usually like interaction between, if you get a moment, interaction between two people. Yeah. I often talk about this shot I took in, I was in Florence in Italy mm. and this is just before the pandemic and we're in a kind of big square there and I seen this couple, they were just talking, mm. but you could kind of tell by the body language like they were saying their goodbyes and I knew that it was going to kind of come in for an embrace or a hug or some type of thing. So I'm just kind of framed everything up and I'm just waiting and I'm thinking, and then they didn't disappoint. They yeah. <laughs> <laughs> came in and got a great shot. And I think sometimes that's the thing of just waiting, mm. but it's also reading the cues yeah. around it so you actually know that this is going to potentially happen. It's a bit like yeah. I've shot sport and it's always better when you shoot sport when you actually know the game really, really well yeah. because you need to be kind of yeah ahead of the game. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've tried to do sport and sometimes I'm like, I'll, like I'll shoot um, soccer or yeah. football for the, for the educated. <laughs> But no, sometimes I'll, I'll shoot that and I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a great shot. He's got the ball. Yep. Turns out he's offside. Yes. So I've just shot a guy who's like way ahead of everybody. He hasn't even got past them. Yep. And yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I did a year. I shot a year of soccer and it was actually mm. really good because I played soccer when I was younger. So it was good because you kind of knew the knew the sport yeah. uh, and you kind of could see, you could read the play sometimes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy it, but I never fully understand it. Yep. But I think that's my love of art as well. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy doing it, but I have no clue what I'm doing. And sometimes it's better to be clueless in some things, I think. Because, oh, yeah. Ignorance because, is bliss. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you start putting rigid rules around stuff, like mm. if you start trying to put frameworks around stuff, mm. it just stifles creativity. Like yeah. you just can't. Yeah. You, know. you still need a foundation, I think, to build off of. Yep. Um, I think that's a lot of the mistake people make is when they're shooting or they're painting, you know, paint doesn't painting doesn't start without a white canvas. Yep. But, you know, it doesn't finish up that way. But, you know, you have a process for also developing your own foundation, 
you know, like for me, it's also kind of very much just the environment that's going on that, that affects the work that kind of comes out when I'm shooting. Yes. You know, if the model's comfortable, the model needs to, the model always needs to be comfortable. If I need to spend four hours making a model comfortable, which I mean, truth be told, if I ever do that, I'm not working with that model again, but yeah. you've got, you got to have that foundation. You've just um, said something there, which I think is really well for us to kind of expand on and talk about. Mm. And that is the ethical side of working with models mm. and understanding places where a lot of, you hear a lot of photographers come unstuck because they don't know how to work with model. And, and I think you've got to have both from the model side and from the photographer mutual respect for what yeah. each of you do. Mm. But then also to understand the boundaries. Yeah. And I think it's always good. I think when, you, when you've got um, maybe a model working in a, like a sip and shoot environment, mm. you've got a lot of people around, which is good from a safety point of view. Like, mm. so that, you know, but, but again, for people to understand what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Mm. I mean, do you talk to any of the people going to sip and shoot, give them an idea, or you just kind of keep an eye on how people are kind of interacting with the model? I try to just keep an eye eye on it like if someone's coming up to touch the model nah yep nah leave, leave that for we have we have a stylist we have makeup artists we have interns yep and that's a really good point for people who may be thinking about going out and shooting for model mm. and haven't done before is is understand that boundary that you know you just can't oh that hair there i'll just flick it out the way yeah you always ask there's a pre- ask. there's, there's yeah. a process that you must follow uh, I think especially as male photographers, it, there's an understandable hesitancy. Yep. I don't know if that's a word, but let's go with it. Yes. Let's and, be creative and just make it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, my foundation was hesitant and we've gone from hesitancy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's like obviously naturally hesitant there. And I've definitely met photographers, male photographers who like just real shit people in general. Yes. Yep. You know, if I'm meeting, if I, as a male, meeting shit photograph, male photographers, I can imagine you know, the plethora of shit male photographers that these models have met. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they actually, you know, I think it's very much like you always ask, you're like, oh, is this okay? I hope you don't mind. Yep. But you also don't want to be too much as well. There's sort of a balance. Yes. You know, because if you look like you took too much, um, the, the message that you're trying to project is that you're trying to, just trying to protect yourself. Yes. More so than keeping the model comfortable. Yes. And that should always be the focus is, you know, and eventually you do get a natural rapport with people and they usually, most people have a pretty good instinct if someone's going to be, you know, going to be just bad or weird or whatever. It comes pretty much from the start. Yeah. Um, So it's like, not. I'm not even really saying you have to put in a whole heap of work. I'm just saying like you and you're saying like there there are rules, there are processes. And it's process. And the the other thing I think, look, models are people at Mm. the end of the day. Yeah. And we all like feedback. We all Mm. like. You know, I'm kind of reinforcing that we're doing something good. Mm. So it's kind of sometimes um, quite useful with your work with model is is to even show in the back of the camera what you've captured yeah. and say, mm. this is nearly what I was trying to love to get. I'd just like you to kind of mm. move this way or do that way type of thing. And mood boards definitely help with that, I think, as well. Yeah. So it mm. just kind of sets the scene. But I think, the like I said, just that don't be afraid to kind of... When, when you're getting some good shots, let the model mm. know that that's working really well. I love what you're doing there. Yeah. Yeah, that type of thing. Because, again, we all like to be told whatever we do is, is good. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, again, helps you. And, and photographers who work really well with models, you'll actually see they'll give a lot of feedback. They'll be talking to the model saying, yeah, yeah that's really great. And it's not, you know, it's not that kind of, you know, cheesy 70s, you know, Yes, yeah, darling. But, yeah, yes. baby, baby, yeah, you know. The Austin Powers kind yeah, of thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not not to that degree, but yeah, kind of like you'll see, you know, if there's um, ever an opportunity for you to go into a, 
uh, high-end photographer does a kind of fashion model shoot workshop. Yeah. You can learn so much by just watching. Yeah. Just seeing how they work with the model mm. and how it actually helps them actually achieve what they're trying to do. I, I think Sip and Shoot works perfectly for that because it detracts a layer of like trying to build the company, like you were saying, when you actually want to connect with the model, all you need to do outside of all the other process that would go on if you're one-on-one, all you need to do is go up and show that photo. Yes. You just say, hey, hey, what do you think of this? You know, um, Do you like it? And then that's when, and social media is great for that as well. The one, one good thing that social media is for is like, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I'll send you the photo. Just give us your Instagram remove so many of the layers and the steps that people think they have to follow or the worry that they have, the anxiety, um, and just doing those one or two things. Yes. And people that then, these are people that they might work with in the future as well. Like you've already said, there's people already started to network mm. from the sip and shoots that have already been done. There's people yeah. actually kind of connected and doing some stuff outside of that. So it's kind of good to be kind of, I suppose, the catalyst of creating those pathways for people as well yeah yeah i've seen so many collaborations since even just the launch yes i remember there was at least three or four that i've seen i assume there's probably been more yes of people just working together because they met at sip and shoot yeah not even that they shot together but you know we had the raffle go out for the two shoots that were happening yep and those people have gone on to work together you know and it's crazy so where could people find out about Sip and Shoot? So what's the, what's the structure? You've got an Instagram account for, yeah. the, for it? Um, so currently we've only got the Instagram and Instagram and the website. Yep. So Instagram is uh, sip.n.shoot or you can just hop on to our website, which is just sipandshoot.studio. Again, sip and shoot uh, with an N in the middle instead of an N. That in the show notes anyway. So people want to go back and just check that. We'll have all those details in the show notes, but it's always... Sweet, yeah. And I think it's always good for people to just go and have a look. I imagine there'd be some stuff out there too. Like, I mean, some of the tags on stuff, so people should be maybe even able to search for the hashtag sip and shoot and see some of the yeah, well, um, previous stuff. Yeah, well, we actually have Google business account now. Yep. Um, I've tested it. I haven't got anyone else to test it yet, but when I just type in sip and shoot, it does pop up. Yep, cool. So it should be there. But if, it, if it's not there, just have a scroll down because I've, I've seen that it gets mixed up with sip and paint as well. Yeah, I do. Say, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why we're trying to encourage reviews. So maybe give us a review as well if you decide to come along or... Yeah, and that's on the Google review that you're talking about? Yeah, Google yeah. review, yep. Yeah, cool. Because you guys are kind of helping photographers. So if photographers can help like, you know, giving something back as well, mm. it all helps everyone at the end of the day. It's just yeah, kind yeah. of, a, you know. A, but, you know, the whole point of the whole point of trying to maintain that, like everyone can do whatever they want is having that collaborative spirit. Yes. Keeping everybody going but with each other. It's kind of grown into a community. And, and look, one of the things that I'm kind of really passionate about in photography is communities, mm. fostering those communities for people to be able to have like a, you know, a safe space to be able to kind of work together and, mm. and find out, information and, and that type of stuff and i think the more people who kind of get involved and you know do that type of stuff mm. the bigger the community grows and yeah know, and and again then then there's more opportunities yeah to grow as a photographer because i think that's going to be the challenge and i think the other thing is the timing of sip and shoot is great because coming out of covid we had kind of basically like you couldn't have run this oh yeah no definitely not <laughs> if i tried to do it on zoom it just wouldn't have worked no no <laughs> Well, that yeah. w- that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how you quite... A lot do. of screreenshots. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, but I think, yeah, look, the fact now that people can get together and kind of, I suppose, yeah, work in those type of environments with people and bounce ideas off people. Yeah. Um, it, it's just great, like a, a great opportunity for people. Yeah. So, like, again, I think the um, 
if people are in, are in Brisbane, just to keep an eye out for it. Or if you're traveling yeah. to Brisbane, even like, you know, there's an opportunity. I noticed a few on a few social media posts, people are asking whether, whether it'll be kind of appear elsewhere around Australia. That So the next place I'm looking at doing it is in Cairns. Yep. That'll probably be around July. Yep. I am have no direct plans, but Cairns being kind of, well, I'm being from Cairns. Um, I'm hoping to sort of connect with some people, even if I just rent out a hall yeah. somewhere. I'm going to get somewhere that has a bar. Yep. And somewhere I could set up backdrops. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's not well, a whole lot of demand. <laughs> well, it sounds like you'd get like a local bowls club even. Yeah, it, it is also just sort of maintaining the quality that comes with um, the sip and shoot environment. You know, yep. we if I ran out of bowls club, it's great, but it sort of gets pitted with sort of like the kids' martial arts classes and stuff like yeah, that as yep. well. Yeah, But I'm sure there's other, there's other venues too, like where, where there's a bar and that type of stuff. Usually. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty there. And I, there's one joint I had looked at, but they may have closed. Yep, but I have to I have to look into it next time I'm up there. <laughs> cool, that's something for maybe for people up in Cairns to keep an eye out for at least. To... And we are going to try and expand in other places, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast, yes. and all that. But um, it's more just trying to get where I and others know people. Yes, that can help out and or at least just get us started. Yes, and yeah, because it's an art. It is still an it's it's a startup and it is an art startup. Yep. So it's you know impossible to sort of do without other people helping. Yep. And we should before we go, we probably should just talk about a little bit about what type of stuff do you normally shoot? Oh, what? yeah. <laughs> I tend to do more art fashion photography, more so leaning into the art and then combining fashion into that. A lot of working with models. Yes. Um so that's, you know, why I've, sip and shoot works because I think I've just I've known a lot of these people that have come, I've worked with them. Yes. And yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I just, I don't know how sort of, without going too pretentious. Yep. Um, yeah. Cool. So, and your Instagram, where your stuff? Yeah. Uh, I'm at Dion Tillema, D-I-O-N-T-I-L-L-E-M-A. I keep forgetting you have show notes. My apologies. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. So that's where all my stuff is. I just hit a thousand followers. So jump over and have a look what Dion's doing and yeah. give him a follow and yeah, sweet. Yeah. Spread the love around. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, what- but I should mention, next event is the 5th of May. So if anyone's interested there, put in your calendar now and hopefully we'll see you there. Excellent. And also, we could also, and I suppose even um, in this episode, talk about one that's coming up in the Brisbane Photography Festival. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah. I think um, that's the 14th of June, I think, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So um, without, I don't want to go into too much details. I want to be a bit of a surprise, the kind of theme we have coming up. But um, it will definitely be on theme with some movies that are coming out around that time bit more extravagant than the other ones have been just as like a show and yeah perfect so that's something people can again look put in their calendars especially if they're in brisbane or traveling to brisbane i know mm. we've got there's quite a few people coming into brisbane for the um brisbane festival photography festival so yeah, sweet. that's a good opportunity for another thing they can yeah well that might help as well with the trying to expand out into other areas make it more convenient for people in sunshine coast and gold coast and all that as well yeah exactly so, yeah excellent well Dion, look thanks for coming in and sharing you suppose your vision yeah. and the fact that, you know, that you had an idea mm. and that you were able to kind of get it to, you know, make it a reality and make it happen. Yeah. And make, they, make they, constant at least. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh. the thing. Look, you know, everything starts with an idea, but mm. quite often how many ideas do we all have sitting in the back, on the back burner thing? Oh, that'd be a really good idea, but they never actually come to anything. Yeah. So it's really good that you've been able to actually to take your idea and actually get it and deliver it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And have it kind of, I suppose the response that you've got so far. Mm, yeah. No, it's been great. It's been crazy. <laughs> Fantastic. Mate, so, again, thank you again for thank you sharing, much, sharing and we'll talk again soon. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye.